Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, September 16th, 2022 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week on the podcast, U.S. Senators Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst on abortion again. The ACLU gets involved in the fetal heartbeat case. The status on debates in the 4th District. A day on the trail with Deidre DeGere. And a passionate, if maybe also testy discussion among the state's Secretary of State candidates. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me today is the full roster. We have Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Hello, Tom. Good afternoon, Aaron. Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough. Welcome, Caleb. Good morning, Aaron. Sarah Watts. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 loyal listeners would know well maybe notice i stopped saying good morning because we, we've been recording in the afternoon a lot more later <laughs> plus who knows when folks are listening anyways it could be tuesday night by uh, the time folks get around to it uh sarah watson of the quad city times is here hello sarah hi we have jared mcnett of the sioux city journal greetings jared 10 to 7 aaron 10 to 7 <laughs> we weren't far off with our prediction last week no. And, and finally, Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Hello, Todd. Good day. Todd yeah, sporting his to... Hawkeye hat uh, still, dis- dis- despite last week. That's a loyal fan. Good for no, you, the, Todd. It's an, it looks like an eye, but it's actually a one for the number of touchdowns we've <laughs> scored this, this season. Kind of a Roman numeral. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Jared's quip on the on the kicker missing a field goal, uh, I think hexed us because that's that's what lost the Hawkeyes to game at the very end, so. <laughs> or I guess lost us from getting going into OT. It's all our fault. Oh man! All right, first up this week, it's a bit of Groundhog's Day, or maybe deja vu, deja vu, depending on your preference. But here we are to once again a talk about Iowa's Republican U.S. Senators, Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst, and what type of federal abortion restrictions they are willing to support. Earlier this summer, after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade and essentially eliminated a pregnant person's right to an abortion, Grassley and Ernst, when asked about the potential for a nationwide abortion ban, said at the time that they believe the matter should be left to the states. Well, that settled that, right? Well, now we have actual legislation because U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina recently introduced a bill that would ban abortions nationwide after 15 weeks of pregnancy. So now that the question is no longer hypothetical, there's new legislation on the table. The question has boomeranged back to Senators Grassley and Ernst. And in responses to reporters' questions this week, both essentially reiterated that they feel the issue should be left to the states. However, neither ruled out voting for Graham's bill either were it to be brought to a vote. Um, Tom, you were on Senator Grassley's conference call with Iowa reporters this week. How important is that distinction that, that, that Grassley, again, reiterated his preference for the states to handle this topic, but also did not expressly rule out supporting Graham's proposal? Yeah, um, I think it's a, an important distinction um, and shows that um, it's an issue that um, Republicans are trying to um, distance themselves from um, ahead of the, the midterm elections, um, you know, wanting to 
shift focus and attention away from abortion um, and try and draw voters' interest to other issues that they think, um, you know, is a winning strategy for them, um, you know, instead wanting to, to make the discussion more about um, inflation, rising costs for families, um, you know, uh, immigration, the southern border, um, crime, uh, things along those lines. Um, but um, yeah, it, it is, you know, important to note that, you know, neither Grassley nor uh, uh, Joni Ernst um, ruled out voting for, for Graham's bill. And, you know, that's something that Democrats um, have, have seized, seized on, you know, saying that, um, you know, that there is no doubt that should Graham's bill um, come to a vote on the Senate floor, you know, if Republicans are able to um, retake uh, majorities in Congress that, um, you know, there's no doubt in their minds that, um, you know, both Iowa's Republican U.S. senators, you know, would vote for a nationwide ban. And in fact, um, Lindsey Graham has previously introduced bills that sought to ban abortions nationally from 20 weeks of pregnancy, which both uh, uh, Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst have previously supported. Um, you know, the pair were listed as co-sponsors in a bill that Graham introduced in the Senate um, early last year um, that, um, you know, among other things, would establish um, criminal penalties, um, including a fine prison term of up to five years or both for physicians who perform or attempt to perform an abortion um, with exceptions made for cases of rape, incest, or um, to save the life of, of, of the pregnant woman. Um, but yeah, the responses you saw from, from Grassley and Ernst are kind of mirroring, excuse me, mirror the responses that you saw from um, uh, Senate Minority Leader um, Mitch McConnell, you know, who when asked about this, said that um, you know it's a, a, a preference of the caucus to leave this issue to states um, following um, the Supreme Court decision um, overturning Roe v. Wade um, and that um, you know kind of the last thing that um, some of these campaigns and um, GOP strategists want um, is to um, you know um, kind of have the focus, have the heat turned back um, uh, up on up on them over you know a widely unpopular position. Um, I don't know what polling Lindsey Graham was was looking at when um, you know he decided to, to introduce this bill. Um, it kind of seems like um, a serious miscalculation on on his part. Um, you know, best guess is that, um, you know, believe that this bill would try and make Democrats look bad and force the Republican Party to form a, a consensus on this issue. Um, but again, given just how contentious things became um, over the summer in a post-Roe era and just how heated things got um, and, and, and the results that we saw, you know, from, from some elections that, you know, provided some warning signs for Republicans on this. Um, yeah, you can, you can tell from, from the comments from Grassley and Ernst that, um, yeah, that this is a, a debate and a, and a discussion that they don't really want to be having right now going into the midterm elections. Yeah. And, uh, Caleb and I apologize, Tom did such a great job of summarizing it there. And now, now I leave it to you to try to add something <laughs> to that, but I, I wanted to, to, to go to you too, because you were on the conference call with Senator Ernst this week, where she made her comments and 
just what what was your thought and anything uh, agree with what basically Tom had to do say or and or add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I think Tom summarized it pretty well, but um, Ernst said very little on her call when she was asked about this. Um, she said, Iowans know that I'm proudly pro-life, uh, but didn't say whether she you know, would vote for or against the bill um, uh, in, in reality. And then, uh, but elsewhere, Axios reported that she said she wanted to let the states take that initial role uh, was, was the quote. Um, and I think it's important like to contextualize that. Um, it certainly doesn't real, rule out voting against or rule out voting for the bill, just saying, you know, let the states decide for now. Um, and then the other thing that I think is important to mention is the Washington Post has reported a couple of times that Ernst was actually expected to release her own bill limiting abortion nationwide at six weeks. Um, they first reported this back in May before the court officially overturned Roe, but the uh, news had been broken by Politico. And some anonymous sources had said that there is that there had been some closed door meetings and Ernst would be the one to introduce the six week abortion ban. Um, and then more recently, still this month, I think, but before Graham introduced his bill, uh, they had reported um, that 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 other bill had been drafted, but there was no timeline for Ernst or any other senator to introduce it. Um, so perhaps the calculation had changed um, since we had seen more evidence that, uh, you know, the 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 road or the Dobbs decision had had uh, energized some voters toward Democrats. But um, yeah, that it's it's uh, it's just in context, I guess, on Ernst's position. And I guess one thing that I would add, you know, so with the response from Grasslander and saying that, you know, it should be an issue left to the states, I guess it's important to note that, you know, in Iowa, in, in their home state, you know, you have um, a Republican controlled legislature and a Republican governor um, who are um, pushing for um, a even stricter um, abortion ban uh, in the state. You stole the words right out of my mouth, Tom. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Um, and, and I'm fairly certain that uh, Senators Grassley and Ernst are, are, are aware of that effort uh, back here with their Republican colleagues. Um, Todd, obviously, there's, you know, we've kind of talked about it a little bit and maybe tap danced around a little bit. Um, you as a columnist have a little more freedom uh, than we beat reporters to, to answer a question like this. So let me ask you. If Lindsey Graham's bill were to come up for a vote, given their statements and what you know about them, how do you think Senators Grassley and Ernst would vote on that bill? Uh, I, I think they'll vote yes, yes, a, a thousand times yes. And they may even vote for something stronger if we end up going through a court process here that puts a six-week ban in place in Iowa. They may be interested in making that a national law. I mean, you know, Chuck Grassley is favored to win, but he's facing the toughest re-election challenge he's faced in decades. And and this issue has energized Democratic voters. And and if if Grassley were to be upset, I mean this clearly would be one of the issues on the list of reasons why. So he's trying to sort of temper his, you know, decades of of pretty strong anti-abortion views, including his support for a, a, a national constitutional amendment banning abortion. He's trying to sort of, you know, sidestep this and say, well, it's up to the, the state and they're, they're elected representatives of the people. So he doesn't have to basically own his, his record. 
because as has been suggested, that's it's, it's an unpopular position and even more unpopular now that people are seeing the, the actual real results of the constitutional right to abortion being thrown out. So I would expect him to stick with this the rest of the year, but if he's safely reelected, there's no doubt that he'll be, he and Senator Ernst will be yes votes on whatever national restrictions the, a, Repu a possible Republican majority would come up with. Yeah, yeah. we've we've sorry, go ahead, Jared. We've talked before, especially about this issue, but it really does apply to any of the big political issues that like whenever a minority party is discussing this stuff, to some extent, it's always just hypothetical. You know, they'll say how they're going to vote, but it doesn't really matter until they're voting in a meaningful way where legislation could actually pass. Until then, it's all in a nebulous zone. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's why, and, and this is what I was going to ask as we're talking about this. It occurs to me, and and I'll I'll admit pleading ignorance to this. I don't know if this has been asked or discussed or or how likely um, it is, but and to Tom's, uh, I think was the one who made the point about you know kind of where public opinion is on this in in general and and the political ramifications of 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 where the parties kind of stand on this is there any incentive here for chuck schumer to say heck yeah Lindsay, let's take up that bill and have a vote on it and put republicans on the record on this or or, or does chuck not want to have his folks take that vote either do, do, I, i'm just literally just kind of thinking of this as we talk through it i, I don't know if there's anything to that i, I thought it would be an interesting i i'd heard other people suggest that and i mean i i I don't know what the you know the full political calculations are, but I just I do yeah. feel like it would be an interesting way to um, get Republicans on the record during this election year. Um, and you know, there's there's some Republicans and even more competitive um, places like Ron Johnson, um, who you know, if if Democrats want to squeeze them a little more, that that might be um, a way to do it. I thought the same thing about the gay marriage bill um, that ended up. It looks like it's going to be postponed until mm -hmm. after the election. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure what the full consideration is, but. I think it's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. Um, next up this week, we stay on the subject of abortion, but move to the Iowa courts where the ACLU of Iowa filed a legal brief this week, arguing that there is no precedent for granting the request that has been made by governor Kim Reynolds, that the courts reinstate the so-called fetal heartbeat law. And so, okay, here we go again, super dense background that I'll try to summarize as succinctly as possible. Reynolds and the Republican-led legislature in 2018 passed that so-called fetal heartbeat law, which aims to ban abortions after roughly six weeks of pregnancy, and that is often before the person even knows they're pregnant. A state judge blocked the law in early 2019, citing previous Iowa Supreme Court rulings in favor of abortion access. Now, fast forward to earlier this year, and the current Iowa Supreme Court overturned one of its previous abortion rulings. And that, combined with the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade, cleared the way for new abortion restrictions in Iowa and across the country, of course. And Governor Reynolds here has opted to ask the, story, the state courts to lift that injunction on that so-called fetal heartbeat law. And then ACLU entered the brief this week saying there's no precedent for doing that, uh, courts, you should ignore this request. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. I didn't sleep in a Holiday Inn Express last night. Todd, I know none of those things apply to you either, unless maybe you were in a Holiday Inn Express last night. I, I don't know. 
but do you have any sense for whether the ACLU's argument that there is no legal precedent for the governor's request will hold any sway with the court? Is this something that could knock that one off the docket? Well, they, I mean, they make some good arguments. I mean, a, a permanent injunction is supposed to be just that. That's supposed to be the final word on, on that case. Uh, you know, permanent means permanent. So, you know, th so their point is that this is, this is already over. It was over four years ago, which probably uh, breaks Iowa's rules for legal procedure, which basically tend to, you know, say that these, this sort of thing needs to be done within the first year after a after a ruling such as this not four years later uh, and it is unprecedented but that word you know doesn't have a lot of meaning when we're living in a time where courts feel like they're no longer governed by precedent so ba I mean, basically we, i feel like since about 2015, the word unprecedented should be banned in all politics and government discussions. Yeah, it's been an unprecedented use of unprecedented, I, th <laughs> I think is the best way to put it. Uh, but, you know, the, the Iowa Supreme Court just overturned a, a fairly recent precedent, which which said that uh, Iowans have a fundamental right to abortion. And, you know, what they left open to interpretation is what will the legal test be when the legislature passes some other sort of legislation restricting abortion, they they say it's not strict scrutiny, which is what you need for a fundamental constant to justify, you know, overturning a fundamental constitutional right. Is it undue burden, which is sort of the next step down, or is it rational basis, which is basically the big green flag, you know, legislature start your engines and then pass what you will. Uh, I mean, I think Reynolds and her folks are hoping that this is the case. That makes it to the Supreme Court and and you know forces the court to sort of set that rule based on all that's happened. Uh, whether the Supreme Court wants to do that with this case or would rather see a case that you know the legislature passes a law and it and it's challenged and then moves through the court system because this is sort of a strange, unprecedented <laughs> way of of getting at this issue going after the permanent injunction. So, uh, I mean, the court's going to do what it's going to do. We've, we've seen that. I mean, if, if there are enough justices that decide, yeah, you know, this injunction case is all we need to sort of set a much lower bar for the legislature to, to regulate abortion, then that's what they'll decide. If, if there's some dissension enough so that they decide this, this case is a little too messy and, and sort of procedurally uh, awkward, they may turn back, turn this back and say, well, when, when there's a law on the books, we'll, we'll take a look at that and, and decide. So, uh, but, you know, I, they'll do what they're going to do. Precedent is not going to govern it and, and unprecedented is not going to be an effective argument. Yeah, that, that's pretty clear. Like you said, is based on what it, that the, the state Supreme Court has already done this year on that topic. Obviously something that we'll uh, continue to watch, but moving on from abortion now, uh, let's make our way through the rest of the team here and talk about some stories we've been covering this week. Jared, uh, to share with our listeners, a, 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 a nightmare of uh, our podcasters here is that news breaks uh, on a Friday afternoon right after we finish uh, hitting the record button. And, and sure enough, that happened 
for you uh, last week uh, when some news broke in the fourth congressional district campaign regarding debates. So um, this is our first opportunity now. Give us the skinny. Uh, our Western Iowa voters going to get a chance to see Republican incumbent U.S. Representative Randy Feenstra and his Democratic challenger Ryan Melton debate before the election. So the skinny is that the chances seem to be slim. See what I see what I did there? Um, at, <laughs> well, at least done. For, well done. At, at least for now. Um, basically, like a week and a day after uh, Representative Feenstra and Ryan Melton got into it about their canceled uh, Clay County Fair appearance, which we talked about on the podcast also, um, there was a new fracas over a PBS event. Um, basically, on September 9th, uh, Melton uh, tweeted out, just got word that my opponent formally declined our debate invitation from PBS, so they'll interview me on the Iowa Press Show on 923 instead. Uh, and I reached out to the comms person from uh, Iowa PBS who said that both Feenstra and Melton were invited to participate in the uh, Iowa Press debate series. And according to her, Feenstra's campaign did decline, but they didn't provide a reason as to why. Uh, so now it is just going to be Melton on the show on September 23rd, like you said. And then I reached out to the uh, Feenstra campaign people as well to confirm um, that they weren't going to be participating and to also just speak to um, Melton's tweet. And they really only opted to speak to his tweet. They didn't really confirm or deny that they weren't going to be participating. And I also had a question about the, the reasoning for not participating, and that was never directly answered either. But um, basically, in a statement, they said, uh, President Biden already has enough out-of-touch liberal friends in Congress who want to destroy our way of life. He sure doesn't need another one. So... And um, th there was a similar message uh, the time before, too, when I reached out to them over the whole Clay County Fair issue. So at least, uh, you know, we got, what, 14 more days in September. So it seems unlikely anything will come together in September. And the closer we get to Election Day, the less likely it seems to, because at a certain point, it's just hard to pull something together so close to an election. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look good if, if something's not already in the works, if not already finished planning at this point uh for folks who may not follow this kind of stuff regularly that those those debates take a lot of advanced uh planning and work uh, uh so so that that work begins long before now so so if we haven't uh gotten one now it, it seems un, unlikely um and that's happened before steve king uh, as, as we've talked about that in on the podcast in the past year too that he didn't always debate he, he did a couple times when maybe he felt he was getting a stronger challenge um uh um uh so but it's it, it's not uh this move is not unprecedented this one is very precedented <laughs> uh skipping from river to river uh sarah you and some of your quad city times colleagues this week interviewed mike franken the democrat who believes he can beat republican incumbent u.s senator chuck grassley i believe i've, I've seen that on a bumper sticker or a yard sign uh somewhere um, anything stand out to you in that interview? Yeah. So, um, really quick, before we dive into that, I was, I wanted, uh, to ask, and I maybe missed something, but, uh, what is the holiday Inn express <laughs> referencing? Cause that's the second time I've made that joke now. And I think last time I did confess, it's the one that only the olds will get. So oh, it's, no. it's an, it's an, it's an old, advertising campaign by holiday and express and, and the gist was like it, it, staying at a holiday and express made you so smart that 
like in, in the, the running joke was like, oh, I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And then the person <laughs> would give out medical advice, you know, or, or I'm not a lawyer, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night and then give out legal advice. So that was uh, an old advertising campaign that us with gray hairs uh, remember. Hey, hey, Aaron, tell, tell us about where's the beef. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't. <laughs> Do you know that one, Sarah? Do you know where's the beef? Is that is that an Arby's commercial? Oh. Close enough, Wendy's. Yeah. Wendy's. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know that. <laughs> Arby's is like we have the beef. Or something yeah. Like that. Right. Yeah. That's we, new, they yeah. know they they don't okay. just have the beef. They have the meats the in meats, general. All they have of meats, meats of all kinds. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, where's the beef was another that's even older than Holiday Inn Express. That that's that's 80s. So, anyways, thank you for clarifying for for the youngs who listen to us, Sarah. <laughs> well, thank you for explaining it to me. Cause I was like trying to frantically Google things about the the like this Iowa abortion ruling and was like not coming up with anything related to Holiday Inn Express. So I'm glad that you could explain it. Um, but um but yeah but about franken um i i what what really stood out to me this is my uh first time interviewing him so just talked with him about his strategy obviously grassley is ahead by eight points in the latest iowa uh poll which in an election year that's expected to favor republicans you know that's still a a um a hill to climb even if it's the the closest race that or the closest poll that um grassley has had for a long time um, but anyway, his his strategy seems to really follow the uh, 2020 Biden route of being a uniter of Iowa um, and working the issues that he he talked with us about were um, were seemed to be things that he thought would resonate with a broad swath of Iowans, you know, it, um, immigration reform, citizenship for uh, DACA recipients, um, the revitalizing rural Iowa, um, talked about his military experience and um, something that also stood out to me. I asked him about student loan debt forgiveness and and he he kind of was a little lukewarm on that. He said he didn't really want, if he was elected, he um, wouldn't really support further debt cancellation. Um, he didn't like wiping that away, I think was the word that he used. Um, so I thought that was uh, interesting, just given the recent news about student loan debt forgiveness. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I, uh, oh, in his strategy, he, he said, you know, you know, I asked him, you know, how are you going to um, overcome this, uh, this, these conditions against you? And, um, and he said, he pointed to an internal poll by change research, I believe, um, that put his name recognition at about 70% and Chuck Grassley's at like 99%. So he said that he's trying to kind of copy, or he's trying to do the 99 tour, which is what Grassley does every year to try to raise that name recognition and hopefully get some more people out to the polls, but definitely still seems like an uphill challenge for Franken. Yeah. And, uh, I, sh I should add, we, we reported on that, uh, change research poll um this week in our campaign almanac if you haven't i encourage you to um find that because not only because it's interesting and it shows a close race again but also there's some important caveats in there that uh, uh, about the polling methods that that was kind of interesting that i think is important for people to 
take into account, but we'll see. Uh, it, 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 in a lot of ways, it does feel like a, a, a close campaign and, and we'll see when the final poll is registered on election day. Um, just, finally, just sorry, go if, ahead. Just, just, just think if we had Chuck Grassley on to talk about uh, ad campaigns, you know, <laughs> you know, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should, uh, that kind of stuff. <laughs> the Edsel, you know. <laughs> oh, God. He probably has some for products that, that we didn't even know ever existed. You know, we're getting close uh, on Monday is the, uh, I think, the one-year uh, anniversary of his uh, famous tweet about the dead pigeon he found uh, on his property. So I'm, I'm looking forward to celebrating that on Monday. P- pigeon Taking day. Taking the day off. Pigeon day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag RIP pigeon. Everyone should go to the park and feed some birds. That's how you celebrate. Or look for dead the, birds. I don't know. On pigeon-related, uh, if you read the Quad City Times tomorrow or this weekend, we'll have a story about pigeon racing in uh, the Ooh. Illinois Quad Cities. So, How, um, you just dropped this on us now, Sarah. As we have to go, we could have spent the whole podcast talking there's about. There's always that. a Quad City angle. I mean, you know, <laughs> there is. <laughs> and uh, I should clarify the Franken the poll that Franken was talking about was the July change research poll. I oh, think okay. We talked with him before that most recent one came out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Good note. Um, uh, real quick before we uh, wrap up here, uh, I'm going to steal the mic and do a little bit of self-promotion um, uh, and about my work this week. I, uh, on Thursday, I spent the day on the campaign trail uh, following Deidre Dejir, the Democratic candidate for government. Uh, she had three events throughout the state. Um, it was generally uh, interesting, as I, as I wrote in our newsletter, which you'll hear about in a little bit, uh, um, not just to hear what this year is saying to voters these days, but to hear from some of the folks who came out to those uh, events, it, it was it was a fairly enlightening day and, and should help inform my eventual candidate profile of uh, this year, which will run uh, sometime next month. And then the other thing to watch for, there will be a story on this uh, up uh, Friday afternoon and the episode itself will be up online. And then watch this weekend is Iowa Press this weekend uh, with the candidates for Secretary of State, Paul Pate and Tom Miller. Um, I think it was a good show. I think we got the candidates to. I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you, jo- Joel Miller. <laughs> what did I say? Tom. Tom. It's easy. Yeah, he was last week. Lots of um, Millers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul Payton, Joel Miller. Um, I think it was a good show. I think it clearly showed the differences between the candidates and how they disagree over aspects of the job. Um, it got a a little chippy at times, so you can watch for that and. Uh, um, to, to give you a little reward for listening this far into the podcast, uh, it, the chippiness continued after the camera stopped rolling uh, as well. Uh, there's uh, clearly not a lot of love lost between uh, these gentlemen and these candidates. Uh, it, it was a very interesting uh, time on set this morning. So uh, watch for that story uh, this, and, and watch it catch Iowa Press uh, at any point this weekend. That's it for this edition of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends, subscribe to us on any number of streaming audio services, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. If you have any topics you'd like to suggest, or you just want to reach out, send us an email to podcasts at the gazette.com. And now that you've listened to the on Iowa politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the on Iowa politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you will receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that newsletter at our website, thegazette.com. 
And lastly, don't forget the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the page and the websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Dream Thieves will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the show, please send us a sound file. For Tom, Caleb, Sarah, Jared, Todd, and our producer, Bailey, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you.